Our first lesson from God's Word today comes from the Old Testament book of Hosea. This one might require a little background before we read it here. So God had his prophet Hosea do something kind of strange. He had Hosea go and marry a prostitute. And later on, this prostitute who became his wife went back to her old ways and she was unfaithful to him. But God uses all this as an amazing, vivid picture of how he welcomes back the lost. He has Hosea go and love his wife once more to be faithful to her even when she was unfaithful to him. And it's all just a vivid picture of how God welcomes his people back. Even when the Israelites were being unfaithful, going after false idols, God's love welcomed them right back into his open arms. And you might also wonder about the whole raisin cakes thing. Uh, basically, this is one of the ways that people would give things to idols. So with that in mind, Hosea chapter 3. The Lord said to me, Go show your love to your wife again. Though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. Though they turn to, the, to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes, so I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a, a homer and a lethic of barley. And I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man. And I will behave the same way toward you. For the Israelites will live many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred stones, without ephod or household gods. Afterward, the Israelites will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They will come trembling to the Lord and to his blessings in the last days. This is the word of our God. Our second lesson comes from the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 2. Here, Paul's kind of tackling a situation in the, the church of Corinth where apparently there was someone who had sinned against others within the church and had strayed away. But now this, this sinner was repentant and, and came back to be welcomed home and Paul wanted to make sure that the people in the church of Corinth welcomed this repenting sinner back with love and didn't drive this person away with guilt. A good picture of us of what it means to be a, a family of believers. You read, If anyone has caused grief, he has not so much grieved me as he has grieved all of you to some extent, not to put it too severely. The punishment inflicted on him by the majority is sufficient. Now instead, you ought to forgive and comfort him so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. I urge you, therefore, to reaffirm your love for him. Another reason I wrote you was to see if you would stand the test and be obedient in everything. Anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. The word of our Lord. Please stand in respect for the, the words of our Savior Jesus in the Gospel. Today our, our Gospel reading comes from Luke chapter 15, two different parables of Jesus. We read, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, 
He joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The Gospel of our Lord. Please take a seat. I'm convinced the wisest decision a man can make is to buy a cheap wedding ring from Walmart. Not for your wife. Get, get her something nice. But for yourself, go into Walmart, find the plainest looking, cheapest ring you can buy. It's only going to make it easier when you inevitably lose it. I've only been married five years, but this is already my second $20 Walmart ring. Uh, The first one, I think, is still probably buried somewhere in the sand at the beach where I lost it. But hey, I'm out 20 bucks. No big deal. I I didn't feel like I had to go comb through the sand all, all day looking for that ring. I could just go home, stop by Walmart, drop another 20 bucks, I got another ring. No big deal. I think one of two things will happen when we lose something. Either we'll get really torn up about losing it, or we won't really care. We'll move on in life. It all depends on how valuable that lost item was to us. If one of your socks mysteriously goes missing after doing the laundry, you might look for it for a couple minutes. If you don't find it, whatever. You probably move on in life without a second thought. But when we lose something precious to us or necessary for our lives, like a pet or a set of keys or any other kind of ring that's not a $20 Walmart ring, we're going to probably drop everything and take up the search until we can find it. It all depends how valuable that lost item is to us. Today, with these two parables in Luke chapter 15, Jesus is teaching some Pharisees and us the importance of seeking and searching out something that's lost. But Jesus isn't just talking about lost rings or lost pets here. And and really, in the end, he's not actually talking about lost sheep and lost coins either. Jesus is talking about taking up the search for lost souls. Every soul is precious to Jesus. Even even the soul of the ugliest sinner, the soul of the the God-hater, the soul of of persons who, who are blind and lost and wandering in the darkness of sin, all of them, they're souls that Jesus wants to seek out, to find, 
to welcome home into his flock. Christ seeks out and welcomes lost sinners. As Christ's people, we seek out and welcome lost sinners too. Before Jesus even got started saying his parables here, he was doing just that. He was seeking out and gathering around with, quote-unquote, sinners. The hated tax collectors and other open sinners who, who didn't even measure up to society's moral standards, let alone God's, they were all gathered around Jesus, and he wanted them to be there. You, you read the Gospels, and you'll often find Jesus associating with these people, the, the supposed lowlifes of society, the, the tax collectors, prostitutes and the like, because he knew they needed him. And you'll notice it's usually these, these sinful, low-life people. They're the ones that actually listen to Jesus. The religious leaders, they're usually just trying to find fault with Jesus. And here again, they did. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. The Pharisees figured if Jesus were really a wise and, and righteous teacher, then he would distance himself from such low-life people. Jesus wanted to, to help lost sinners find themselves in him. The Pharisees, they wanted the opposite. They, they wanted to distance themselves from these quote-unquote sinners. They didn't want to take up God's search and rescue mission for lost souls. They wanted to keep these kinds of people on the untouchables list. And so Jesus clears things up for them with a couple parables, right? Two of them, both hitting at the same point, trying to get the, the Pharisees to realize lost souls are precious to God. He wants to find them and claim them for himself. Lost souls are valuable and precious to God. And so... The Pharisees' criticism here of Jesus, turns out it's an it's a awesome summary of what the gospel is all about. They were right. This man welcomes sinners. Jesus certainly does, and that's good news for you and me, for the whole world. And as Jesus launches into his first parable, he actually he starts by posing a question. He says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Uh, well, we might almost feel like we're probably not going to answer this question the, the, the way that Jesus probably wants us to. I mean, would I even notice if one sheep was missing from such a large flock? And also, I mean, wouldn't it be wise to just cut my losses? I, I don't know. I've got 99 sheep that are safe in the field here. I don't, maybe don't want to run off after the one lost sheep and risk losing all 99 of these that are just chilling in the field. The one who has 100 sheep can probably afford the loss of the one sheep. But the motive here isn't just a consideration of personal gains and losses. The shepherd takes up the search for the sake of the lost sheep. 
not to weigh, balance out his, his gains and losses, he takes up the search because he can't bear the thought of that poor lost sheep alone, wandering in the wilderness, likely going to meet its death without any help or defense, without someone going to seek it out. He searches for the sheep for the sake of that poor lost sheep. And so Jesus is telling us that, that God, who has billions of souls living on this earth, not just a hundred sheep, that God doesn't want a single one of these lost souls to stay lost. He wants to find them and gather them in and welcome them home. And you realize you know, God, God doesn't need anything. God's not really lacking anything. He's God himself. He's, he's good to go no matter what. But even God, he still has concern for human beings when they go off wandering on their own way, straying from his fold, he's concerned. And this would maybe be like me going back to that beach and combing through millions of grains of sand to try and find that $20 Walmart ring. Kind of foolish. Really, probably not worth the effort. That ring isn't all that valuable. Why would I do that? And in the same way, while it maybe seems like, you know, what kind of worth or value would a sinner have in God's eyes? Well, it's not the way God thinks about it. He goes to great lengths to seek out the lost sinners. Like the, the shepherd leaving 99 sheep behind to find the one. Like the woman dropping everything to, to light a lamp and sweep through her whole house looking for the one coin. God drops everything to search for lost sinners. He, he gives up everything. He gives up his, his own son in order to purchase lost sinners back for himself. Lost sinners are precious to God. That's pretty clear. And, and just look at the joy that comes when the lost are now found. Both that shepherd who lost the sheep and the woman who lost the coin, they both do the same thing. They call their friends and neighbors together and they say, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I found my lost coin. And this seems a little excessive. I mean, I, I don't call my neighbors together to have a party at my house when I find a $20 bill in my jeans pocket that went through the wash. But Jesus' point here is that if we're going to have such joy over finding a lost sheep or a lost coin, man, how much more joy are we going to have when a lost sinner is found in Christ. As God's friends, we rejoice with him and the angels in heaven when a lost soul is recovered for the kingdom of God. When the lost are found, we might as well throw a party. That's what happens in heaven. Jesus says, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who don't need to repent. And in the second parable too, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And maybe in connection with those, those two verses, a little few points of clarification. First of all, we don't want to make it sound like it's as if God doesn't, doesn't care about sin or that he overlooks it or approves of it as he finds the lost. God and the angels in heaven, they, they rejoice when a lost and condemned sinner sees that they're lost, and despairs of finding the way themselves, 
and so then turns to him who is the way, Jesus. You know, essentially, that, that's what repentance is. And all those sinners that, that were gathered around Jesus there, they knew they were lost. But they also knew they could find forgiveness and righteousness in Christ. And that's why they kept continuing to seek him out. That's why they, you couldn't separate them from Jesus. Not because Jesus joined them in their sin or, or condoned their sin, but because he broke the chains, tying them to their sins. So they couldn't imagine not seeking Jesus out. Maybe another thing to, to realize, it, it's, it's not as if God doesn't care about the 99 sheep, the, the 99 righteous who are already part of the kingdom of God. It's just that his concern really has to be with that one lost sinner who's still wandering in the dark. There's the priority. His rescue mission still needs to be carried out for that person. Not that he doesn't care about the 99, it's just that they're already safe, they're already found. And these parables are all about reaching out, seeking the lost, and 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 the joy that comes when a, a lost sinner is retrieved and recovered back into the kingdom of God. All heaven throws a party when people are welcomed into the kingdom of God, welcomed as the family of believers. All heaven throws a party. But maybe the, the rejoicing that goes on in heaven when this happens, when the lost are found, doesn't always quite reflect the same kind of rejoicing we have here on earth because maybe we, as, as one of those 99 righteous who are in the kingdom of God believers, we might still kind of feel like, you know, we've been here all along, been faithful, haven't wandered away. Why is there always so much focus on, on the one lost person when, when I've been here all along? Why, why can't I get some recognition? doesn't seem fair. Or maybe, how many times have we viewed a lost soul like a $20 Walmart ring? Not really worth the effort. Even though Jesus says lost souls are precious to him. How many times have we maybe kind of just let someone stray away from the flock? Not worry so much about what happened to them. Or maybe didn't even notice they left. Do we earnestly seek for those, those lost souls? Do we drop everything to, to go find them and bring them back like we would if we lost our pet or our, our wedding ring? And maybe the toughest thing of all this is welcoming in someone who's a known sinner. Even though these are the types of people that Jesus welcomed and sought out. But to make this real, what if what if someone walked into Living Hope who we, who we knew was, was, a, was a ugly, had done some gross sins and, and needed to come in and find forgiveness? What would be our reaction to someone with a troubled past, a rough character, who maybe don't want to be part of our family? Now, I know this is impossible now, but what if Jeffrey Epstein had walked into Living Hope one day what if, repentant and, and weeping over his sins, he came seeking God and forgiveness? 
how long would it take us to start mumbling like the Pharisees, wishing he would just get out of here? How long would it take before we just guilt him out of church, even if he was truly repentant, needing forgiveness? Would we really want someone like Jeffrey Epstein to be part of our family of believers? I know it's a ridiculous made-up situation, but, but maybe it gets across how difficult this could be, welcoming sinners. It's not something we, we're always so happy to do. Maybe not something that we, we value so much. Our capacity to welcome sinners mainly goes so far before we, we draw a line. Thankfully, God's capacity to seek and save the lost is so much bigger than ours. Even as we find ourselves looking down on other sinners or marveling at how lost they could be, maybe forget that we were once lost too. We all once were lost in our, deeply in our own sins. What changed that? Amazing grace did. Amazing grace God, in his grace, in his undeserved love, sought you out, called you to faith. He accepted you into his, his family, adopted you. He welcomed you home into his church. Jesus welcomes sinners. I know this because I'm one who he has welcomed into his kingdom. And as Christians, you've already had a huge celebration thrown for you by God and his angels in heaven when you came to faith, the lost are now found because Christ set aside everything, dropped everything in his search and rescue mission for lost souls. He gave his own life in that search and rescue mission. And now, what those Pharisees were mumbling about, we just got done singing. Jesus, sinners, does receive. Even I have been forgiven. Sheep, weary souls that lost their way, are by Christ the shepherd taken in his arms that they may live. Jesus, sinners, does receive. If, if Jesus welcomes lost sinners, then as his people, we can do the same. We will do the same. We'll value the lost soul like Jesus does, have concern for the lost soul like he does, go and seek them out like he does. And maybe it's a good reminder for us that Maybe we shouldn't sit around waiting, expecting the lost to just kind of wander into the flock to, or to wander into church. It might actually take an invitation to, to go out and actually seek them, to invite them. And at the same time, we don't need to get all stressed out about this and feel like, oh, i got to go convert the whole world, all the lost souls on my own. Remember, God's kingdom is built one lost sinner at a time. There was one lost sheep. One lost coin. And we all probably know at least one person. Maybe straying. Maybe lost. Who could use some good news from us. That God welcomes the lost and straying with open arms. And maybe all this also helps us realize the church is less of a country club and more of a hospital. The church is not just for people who have their acts all together. 
church isn't even just for, for us who want to get together with like-minded people who, who think the same and we get along with. The family of God is an assembly of individuals who are all flawed and broken in multiple different ways. All people needing the same healing that God can provide to be at the hospital. And so, we are actually pretty well equipped to take up this search for lost souls. Because our, our salvation, it's a, it's a done deal. It is, it is a fact. It's accomplished. But you'll also find as Christians, it's sometimes kind of a life of taking two steps forward and then usually at least one step back. We also struggle with sin and yet we're all redeemed by grace. And so we're well equipped to seek and find the lost because we used to be that way too. We used to be lost and we've been found. So we take up the rescue mission and we find the lost and gather them back in. We can all say, this is the place where the lost are now found. Welcome home. Amen.